0: Hello, everyone. This is Marilyn Hughes of the Out-of-Body Travel Foundation. It's great to be with you again, and we are here for our live questions and answers. My screen is a little funny. It's throwing me off a little bit. It's like it's backwards, but OK. So um want to remind you, please subscribe to the channel. It keeps us searchable for everyone on the Internet and also Uh, Please consider becoming a member when you join here at YouTube. It helps us to keep our resources available for free to everyone online. And that's very, very helpful to us. Also want to let everyone know we have two new websites to check out. Uh, Recently, completely remodeled, outofbodytravel.org has been made mobile-friendly and completely remodeled with new technology, new software. And we also have a new author website at MarilynHughes.org. So check those out when you have a moment and hope you enjoy. Uh, So let's see here. Hi, Bill. Welcome. Glad to have you with us. And Anagel is here. Great. Great to have you guys with us. So uh, we'll start with uh, some questions that I got here and uh i have a few that came in from uh email we'll start with that adriana welcome it's a great day when Marilyn is live on youtube your new website is awesome oh thank you adriana really appreciate that because i really worked hard on it so i'm glad you like it and uh i'm really glad it's almost done we're taking care of some of the back end issues the you know the coding and stuff which is all over my head So it's been a little bit kind of crazy making, but we're getting there. Right. So that's what we're trying to do. Uh, Anna Yell says, yes, on the great website. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So, So the first question I had was, hello, Marilyn. I was wondering in all your many experiences, if you have had any with Maharishi Mahesh Yogi or been given any insight on him and his meditation practices. And so I did share this. I said, yes, I did have one. It's mentioned in the experience about the Dragon Master in the Mysteries of the Redemption. And this is the portion that actually had to do with Maharishi and transcendental meditation. So, quote, holding a stick of incense, which blazed at the tip, he said, Many masters have shared techniques, doorways into the sacred spaces. I knew he spoke of the many forms of meditation, mantras, contemplatives, prayer, masses, etc. He continues speaking. But the ritual is not the truth. It is the door. Use the technique for the purpose of opening the door, not as an end in itself. You must open the door in order to find sacred memory, unquote. Nodding, I understood him. And then he said, tell my honored friend this. He paused as a rainbow gyrated above the incense. And then there's a quote in the book from the Anguttara Nikaya, which is a Theravadan Buddhist text from the Book of the Fives, which says, brethren, there are monks who are keen on Dhamma and they disparage those monks who are meditators saying, look at those monks, they think we are meditating, we are meditating. <laughs> and so, excuse me, we, they meditate and meditate, meditating up and down to and fro. What then do they meditate and why do they meditate? Thereby, neither these monks keen on Dhamma will be pleased nor the meditators, by acting in that way, their life will not be conducive to the welfare and happiness of the people, nor to the benefit of the multitude. So the point in that experience was the most important part, the ritual is not the truth, it is the door. And this applies as well to out-of-body travel. Out-of-body travel is a tool. It's not the truth in and of itself. Welcome, Max. Max says, hi, Marilyn. Thank you for all you do. Thank you so much. And you're welcome. And it's nice to have you here. Uh, Very, very much appreciate your kind words. Thank you so much. So, um, yeah, so we want to remember the rituals, the paranormal gifts, out-of-body travel, psychic gifts, Uh, these are not the truth. They are the tool. The truth itself is what we're seeking, what we're hoping to find, and what these gifts hopefully lead us to. And that's what we're hoping that they will do. And so the next question uh, is uh, this. (laughs) I finished reading The Aliens of the Redemption, and I loved it. My question is, what information do you have regarding Kirpal Singh being the last great master of the Sikh light and sound tradition? Thank you. And so for those of you who aren't familiar with the vision that I shared at the end of the Aliens of the Redemption that I had, I was taken to this beautiful uh, Coliseum is a little bit Too much. It was a smaller gathering than that, but it was circular. There, there the gathering of Sufis and like Sant Mat type uh, uh, and Sikh, obviously um, uh, practitioners in the afterlife. These were all people who had crossed over, and they were going to a private prayer space where they would pray together. And um, these were actually all people who were related to me through my DNA, people through my uh, DNA line, uh, in a long story in that regard, but that's not kind of the point. So when we when we went in there, I was really excited of seeing all these people that I was aware were somehow related to me wearing the white uh, turbans and the white robes and doing their prayer ritual. And I had just come back from, meeting other people who were related to me uh, through ancestral ties who were of an Orthodox tradition um, and seeing what they do in the afterlife. But what was really neat was as I was walking through and uh, meeting these people, all of a sudden, I looked in the center and I saw that Guru Nanak and Kirpal Singh were kneeling in prayer in the center, and I immediately recognized them, which surprised all of the people there, all of my relatives, ancestors, <coughs> who didn't expect that because they know that I'm personally Catholic. But I immediately recognized them, and they were, uh, you know, they were like, oh, "Look who's here! Look who's here!" And I was like, "Oh, I know that's Guru Nanak and that's Kirpal Singh." You know, and they were kneeling side by side. And so I guess in answer to the question, what I would say, uh, what I, what information I have is that uh, Guru Nanak is the first great master, the one who started the tradition of the great Sikh light and sound tradition. He's the first master. And from what we understand, Kirpal Singh is the last one who has you know crossed over, and there they are, you know, the first and the last kneeling together in prayer, and that to me says everything we need to know, right? So to me, what it what it did was validate Kirpal Singh's position in that uh, in that uh, line of the of the Sikh gurus that he belonged there and he was, you know, the uh, most recent last of the masters in that Sikh line. Um, It was really kind of just really an amazing honor to see it, you know what I mean? So that's what I would say I, I know from it, which is, you know, like, you know, what I always talk about how knowledge is, you know, vibration, frequency, and energy rather than information. So a lot of things, we gather the knowledge. Hello, John, thank you for joining us. Um, We gather from something that we are shown or something that is infused into us in these experiences. And in this particular experience, just by having Guru Nanak and Kirpal Singh kneeling in prayer in the center, in the center of this beautiful circle of devoted you know, devout and devoted, uh, devotedly praying, you know, um, seeks is in itself, uh, a message. And the message to me was, is that, and this was actually, you know, I, when I came back, I had to look this up. I knew who Kirpal Singh and Guru Nanak were separately, but I didn't know that Kirpal Singh was the last in that line of the gurus so this was not a question that was on my mind didn't know that the connection was there when i had the experience so it makes the message all the more powerful because i didn't know that until after and i did the research so that's what i would say i know about kirpal singh that to me that validated his position as the last in the line of those gurus that has crossed over so that that is what I would say about that and so our next question this one is is a uh, an interesting one a little difficult to kind of explain but I'm going to try so hello Marilyn I hope you're doing okay God bless you I just have a question that I was hoping you could answer if you're willing You've probably already answered this question or similar to it, but I was wondering if you could be a little more specific. I just wanted to reach out to ask you about saints becoming angels while still on the earth and not after death. So I know in Emanuel Swedenborg's book on heaven and hell, he talks about how we become angels after we pass on. My question is, do you know of anybody in Christ who has become like an angel in this world, not just after death, if that makes sense? Or do you have any stories as in resources of people who have gone before? Again, I know it's very rare, but I I thought I'd just ask. Thanks and God bless, you're amazing. And so um, I think that what I would say to that would be that, you know, becoming an angel in, I guess, becoming like an angel, maybe uh, becoming an angel in this world. No, because becoming an angel is actually like a state of being. It's a, you know, uh, a different order of being, you know, than, than humanity. So while we're human, we're human. And then when we cross over, we can become uh, we can be transformed into different types of, uh, Things, different creatures, ba- based on how that works in the mechanics of creation, so to speak. But what I would say is, um, uh, we we do hear stories. There's two ways that this can you know play out. We have situations that are pretty common where people behave in a way where they become an angel to somebody, sometimes unawares. You know, where somebody just shows up and does something, and they act in the person of an angel, but as a human being. And this can be something unexpected, rare, or just, you know, something that might be happening. Then you have people who intentionally go out and do beautiful charitable acts, and they are acting as an angel in their human life by doing that. And then you have other people who take it even to another level and I think it's even fair to say that there's something greater going on in them that, you know, but it's still not that they're another order of being while they are humanly incarnate, but there is something greater going on. Like a mother Teresa where, you know, um, she embodied charity and charitable love to such a degree that, you know, she, Was like an incarnate love and behaved in an angelic fashion for most of her life in a very profound way. But you know, anytime a person behaves in such a charitable way that they become an angel for another person, they can be said to be acting as an angel. Um, But again, it doesn't alter their station, you know, their actual spiritual order of being. So, I hope that kind of helps. Um, and so, when you know, so, you know, even when uh, Emmanuel Swedenborg talks about uh, people becoming angels when they cross over, again, it's a, these are different orders of angels than like, you know, when you're talking about the hierarchies of angels, which are different orders of angels, you know, like the archangels and the thrones, the dominions and the powers. Those are different orders of angels than like even what Emmanuel Swedenborg is referring to when souls cross over and become angels. So we would become more uh, like, and this is not, it's hard to put the right word with it because I don't want to define it when I know it's not a totally correct definition, but um, it would be more similar to guardian angels but it's not really exactly that because even guardian angels can have their own station, their own uh, order, so to speak. But many, many people, when they cross over, will act in a capacity as a guardian angel or some things like that. But we're not going like, to become a throne or a dominion when we cross over. Uh, Max has a comment. Would Enoch fit that description? I understand he ascended without having to cross over. Well, Enoch is is a very unique, uh, very good question, very good thought, Max, because Enoch is that uh, unique situation where Enoch, you know, uh, and you can read about this in the pseudopigrapha, where Enoch actually ascended into heaven and over time was transformed into the angel of mystical theology, he ended up becoming one of the great archangels and that is Metatron. So Enoch eventually morphed and morphed and morphed into such a higher being. He became the archangel Metatron and Metatron is the archangel of mystical theology. So that's like a whole, a whole nother area of cosmology as to, what happened with Enoch. But again, that's a unique circumstance. That's not what happens to like regular mortals. That's something that's going to be happening to people who are of a different station who are on a path of mystical transformation of a very high order, which Enoch was not that that can't become the case, you know, because it can, But but, you know, he was unique. So very interesting point and a very good uh, thing to bring up with this interesting question. Joshua chairs. Hey, Marilyn, how are you? I am good. And it's great to have you here. Thank you for joining us. And uh, Max says, indeed. Yes. So that's uh, always really fun to get the uh, archangels involved there. And so, you know, um, oh, Joshua from Dark Matter News, welcome. Nice to see you. Yeah. And so um, uh, I'm going to continue with these questions here. And if anyone has questions you want to ask in the live stream, um, please feel free to do that because this is what this is for so that you guys can ask those questions. And Max says, this is the path that all of us should aspire to. And I, I would have a tendency to agree. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, yes. So what uh, happened with Enoch, you know, Enoch was so unusual. If you read the, the book of Enoch, and then there's the book of the secrets of Enoch. In the books of Enoch, he would travel through the valleys of good and evil he had like one of the most extensive um, visionary and you know out-of-body experiences through heaven and hell and through the earthly spheres that we see in mystical literature. And it was all written down. And for some reason, you know, a lot of people don't know about these books. And then in the pseudopigrapha, there's the book of the secrets of Enoch, and it goes more into depth of this this the these uh, mystical adventures and journeys that he had which were very very you know intense because he went on a huge purification journey uh but then it continues into this whole process where he literally it's almost like you know an alchemical transformation of his soul into these higher and higher frequencies of light that eventually take him to um, where he literally then becomes initiated into, you know, becoming Metatron, which is you know pretty uh, unbelievable. You know what I mean? So yeah, it is very much um, uh, you know exactly what we shall aspire to. Joshua says, uh, Vincent Pointus, Art Bell's son, wanted me to tell you hello, Marilyn. Well, thank you. Please tell him hello, too. And uh, I appreciate his hello as well. Uh, That's very nice. Nice to hear from him. And Max says, but as a service to others, I will end up wherever I am needed when I get to that point in my evolution. Absolutely. And that's the perfect, perfect state of mind to be in because... We all think of where we think we need to be, what would be the best place for us, but we always have to humble ourselves and remind ourselves that we need to be where God puts us. And that's actually going to be the best place for us to be. We often have this um, misunderstanding and disillusionment that, you know, maybe like the exalted, role that Enoch played in becoming Metatron, something like that, because it's so exalted and amazing and filled with splendor would be the thing that we should all be when in reality, what God chooses for us, even if it is the simplest and most humble of roles is the most exalted role for each of us. And if we try to do Uh, something other than that, because we we have some type of uh, misinterpretation or an ego attachment that um, doesn't uh, conform to where God wishes us to serve, that it can actually turn us backwards in our spiritual evolution because of that misunderstanding Um, Max says he had the advantage of a super long life to learn the required lessons for Ascension and expanding the consciousness where we only have a lifetime of less than a century. That's true. And you know, one of the things I point out Max to um, people sometimes as well is, you know, something that I actually saw a change in during my own lifetime when the internet age began which was somewhere around the year 2000 when people started really hooking into the internet. You know, so before, like when I was growing up and before internet and before technology got more and more um, the way it is, you know, technology has given us so many advantages and benefits but what we've also had happen is that people are so connected and hooked up to so many things that we've lost the silence. And can you imagine the difference even from, you know, what we had even before internet, like what we had um, like in our lives, for those of us who remember what, you know, growing up in the seventies or whatever, where, uh, you know, things were quite different than they are now. We had a lot more opportunity to uh, live, you know, in the outdoor world and and be in places where the input had much more of an opportunity to uh, reach us. But imagine the time of Enoch and a lot of the times during the Old Testament times, even during New Testament times, where people really did live in isolation in the deserts, in the wildernesses, you know, even the writings of the early desert fathers, most of them lived in these caves in the deserts. And you know, they really did have access to the silence. And so they had that huge um, benefit of that, that um, a lot of people in today's high-tech world have a harder time accessing because it's really hard to turn everything off. And it's much more difficult for people to actually find the solitude the solitude and the silence where they can actually reach into the spirit world and receive. And you just think about the difference between the time of Enoch and him sitting in meditation in an empty desert, all alone with himself and God versus what most of us deal with today. And you, you can see where, he was really dealing with a very different canvas. And so, um, let me see what you were saying there. You go, uh, Max says, yes, even if as a guardian angel, it is still an exalted honor. Humility is very important. It's, it's the whole thing, the whole, you know, really the whole foundation of the spiritual life. Um, bless you. Ha ha ha. I'm 67 years young. The inner silence is the most difficult for me in all honesty. Well, you know, um, I relate to that, too. I'm 57 years young. And um, <laughs> and even for myself, um, with what I do, I found that as the technology advanced and stuff, I've had to be much more aware of uh, doing things to protect the silence and the solitude. Um, and, um, you know, and I, ironically, too, uh, you know, in, in about five years ago, I moved from Colorado, living in the mountains to where I am now in a suburb and outside of a city. And um, and it's very different. And so it takes a lot more discipline, a lot more effort to uh, create the same kind of um, vibration and same kind of atmosphere that's conducive to, you know, generating the spiritual life. And so we all have these uh, things in our environment and they are, they are, you know, they do impact and affect us. So it's, it's very important as we, you know, go forward. And so very important. Um, This question I did want to answer, which is, did Jesus show you what the heavenly realm looks like? And what did he teach you at the, about the purpose of our earthly existence? And at the risk of being very repetitive, for those of you who have listened to a lot of my interviews, I'll just tell you the, the answer to the m- number two first, which was he told me that the purpose of our earthly existence was to go from selfishness to selflessness. And, um, and that, that was really, you know, to sum it up, Uh, which kind of seems uh, kind of simplifies the whole thing for me anyway. And um, he took me on, and this was during my near death experience. He took me on this tour of the heavens and it was so beyond words and beautiful. Um, And, you know, the heavenly realms are filled with these beautiful colors that are, you know, colors that we don't see in this world and this beautiful music that's heavenly and celestial, that it's, it's a different kind of music that like fills every pore, you know, you'll be flying through the, through the galaxies and through the skies and through these different realms. And that music, it's almost like it moves inside of you, outside of you, it's in your pores, it's in your cells, and it's just filled with such beauty. And these colors, they're almost like, it's like you see them all around you with the lights and also with the darkness. It's almost like it's all alive. And you just feel blanketed in this unconditional love, But also this unconditional wisdom, this uh, very intensive understanding of how things just make sense when you're there. All the things that might not have made sense to you in the physical world, they, they all come together there. But I was taken through like many, many, many infinite worlds and they were all beautiful in different ways you know like there was you know there would be worlds that were primarily burgundy and then there are other worlds that are these beautiful blues and greens i mean it was just everything you know everything that we have here would be magnified uh, you know in proportion so there were there are worlds that have you know crystals of, of the beautiful crystals that come out of the earth and they're beautiful and big and large and you can feel the energy that pulsates out of them. and then there are beautiful landscapes and forests and trees and rivers that run gold where. You know, when you go to the city of New Jerusalem, the buildings, some of them are made out of diamonds. Um, The Palace of Ancient Knowledge is where they keep the ancient sacred texts from all, all world religions, but all, all, I don't even know how to put it, but not just all faiths, because this is not just our world, but all worlds, all all sacred thought is housed there from all time immemorial. There are six floors and it's all in white. There's these beautiful rounded staircases and they're gilded in gold. And there are these different keys you have to have in order to go to different floors. And the texts are huge and they're big, you know, so they're The ones that are formulated as books are big. They're like three feet, four feet in height. And, you know, two feet, maybe three feet wide. And then there are scrolls everywhere. And there's this huge window where you can look out over the city of New Jerusalem. And it's like a a viewing window. You can see all these different buildings Some are made of diamonds, some of pearls, others of various gems. It's just all shimmering in this, you know, effervescent beauty. But again, this is only one realm of the infinite realms that exist, and it's just all beauty. Um, Welcome, raw reverence, awe, and wonder. (laughs) He says, hi, Marilyn." Well, hello to you and welcome to you as well. And so, you know, with that with that question, um, you know, what it looks like, it's an interesting thing to just add to it is that everything that you experience when you are seeing this is also felt, you also hear it, you also smell it and taste it, its fragrance, its color, It's aroma. It's um, you feel things like fluid, warmth. All these sensations come together. So when you use the word, what's it look like? It's not like just, well, what's it look like here? What things look like in the heavenly spheres involve all of your senses. So it's not just the one. It's all your senses, and they're all together in your seeing. And that's what makes it really majestic uh, on top of things. And here, Paul Osasui is back. It's great to see you. He says, hello, Marilyn. Um, Adriana says, oh, Marilyn, I'm so tired of nothing making sense here, and everything is so convoluted. I do long for the day that all will come together and everything is crystal clear, making total sense and confusion is gone. Thank you for your explanation. Oh, you're welcome. Well, you know, Adriana too, um, when you go into the out of body travel state, this will sometimes happen, but it often happens too when people have near death experiences that the part of the experience can be, it's not always the case, but this, um, this mind of God will descend, um, where all of a sudden it's like all the mysteries just come into you. It's like infused into you for that moment or whatever time that you're having that. And so for that time, um, you're being given, or it's being shared with you, um, this higher wisdom. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really amazing thing when it's happening because the things that seem confusing, convoluted are not. Like for instance, I'll tell you this, uh, one of the things that I thought was really neat was when I would go into this experience of this mind of God thing, You would go into that and things like uh, Orthodox Christianity, Catholic Christianity, Gnostic Christianity, there was no contradiction there. They all fit together. The differences between world religions were not relevant because in the mind of God, it made perfect sense. It's, it's because we don't understand things in their fullness here. We're, we're understanding things only in part that they seem confusing. Um, and obviously this also then applies to our daily lives as well, but, but it also applies to our understanding of spiritual concepts or, you know, things that a lot of people have difficulty with like, well, I don't understand why there's so many religions, you know? And it's like, well, can you understand that maybe there's many facets of God, you know, that maybe like a many faceted diamond that God too has many facets and that you don't fully understand him unless you see the whole diamond. And so every one of these facets can be compared to, you know, any of the great faiths or any of the great revelations, but one all by itself is only giving you a singular view, whereas altogether you're seeing God as a whole versus only in part. Um, Let's see, Paul says, Dear Marilyn, do you feel we have entered the end of days? Is Christ coming soon? Well, that's a question a lot of people have been asking about. And, uh, you know, it's probably it's a difficult one to answer. I don't think I've got the answer for that. I think in terms of I can't answer it from the standpoint of have I been told that specifically? No, Um, I've been told things about it in years past, um, and I haven't been told things about it right now. A lot of other people are having uh, mystical experiences and visions indicating that that's possibly happening. And then, of course, when you take the um, the visions, you know, like the, um, uh, I'm trying to remember what that thing is called. It's the, you know, there's uh, visions, the prophecies of the popes and, you know, Pope John the 23rd and. Uh, his visions and uh, some of the other popes had some uh, interesting prophetic visions. And then um, Malachi, Malachi, and a lot of these other ones, there's a whole bunch of them. And then there's some other modern day people. Um, Father Michel Rodrigue, who I feel is probably very legitimate based on what I've seen. um have been given a lot of information about that. And they believe that we are in those times. I know that uh, Pope John the 23rd was told uh, the same thing that the prophecies of the popes came up with and Malachi, which was that period of, and ironically, I was told in the 1990s was 2027 to 2032 were the big years for what's coming to pass here. And so I guess we're gonna find out, possibly uh, one way or another. So there is a lot of a lot of um, mystical chatter going on. So it we'll find out. You know, over the ages there has been a lot of mystical chatter about that, uh, pretty pretty regularly. So it's hard to totally know for sure. So we'll kind of wait and see. Uh, Raw reverence says, I once have seen multiple universes like galaxies spinning around some hub fulcrum. So beyond our wildest imaginings. Yes. I call that the galactic heavens raw reverence. And it's one of my favorite places to go to because it is just so astonishing in its splendor just to be there. Right. Um, You do see the galaxy spinning Um, and um, there's something that is happening to your soul as you're witnessing this, right? That's what happens to me when I'm witnessing it. And, you know, when the galaxies are spinning, it's like you're you're a part of creation in that moment. And so uh, very interesting that you're sharing that. So thank you for sharing that. Raw reverence. Uh, You know, I wrote about this kind of stuff a bit in Galactica, a treatise on death, dying in the afterlife, about some of these visions that are about these galactic um, anomalies, which are really awesome. Max says, true, hard for us in third density to comprehend. It feels like you were shown the Akashic record briefly. Yeah, I was shown my Akashic record briefly. And um, I've seen the Akashic records, but have not been shown, you know, like a lot of details on uh, like on other people's records or anything further on my own. But I've been taken there to see them and that they are there and they exist. And um, so, yes, um, they're there. And from what my experience was and what was important about it was the fact that I had agreed to certain types of service that I needed to give in this lifetime that I was hesitant to do at the time, because I was uncomfortable with, uh, it was actually working with lost souls at the time, but I was shown the record where I'd agreed to do that. And then I needed to do it. And so I was afraid it was being kind of wimpy. And, um, and so what, what I've definitely seen there is that we do make agreements In regards to what we're going to do in this lifetime in terms of our service, but also in terms of what we're going to try to learn, overcome, um, you know, try to uh, project past in terms of our karmic patterns. And so that Akashic record is kind of like us making a plan for, okay, this time around, we're going to try to overcome this, 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 and this, you know. Max says there are things that some of us are sent messages, but this is the last incarnation. This is what I was made aware of, even as a young person. Oh, so many years ago. Um, there, so I'm not sure what you mean by that, Max, um, that some people might be told that this is their last incarnation. That that can happen for sure. Um, I can definitely say that every person who's ever contacted me or, ask me questions is always saying, I don't want to reincarnate again. Every single one of us feels that way. Um, and so I don't think the fact that we feel that way is the criteria for whether or not we are going to need to, or require to do it. Um, but, um, there are some people who might be told that this could be your last incarnation, but there's usually certain things that we need to (coughs) accomplish or, um, finish in order for that to be the case. And so there's usually some types of things we want to do before that might come to pass. Bill says Paramahamsa Yogananda from his book The Second Coming of Christ Within, which is a really good set of two books, two volumes. So for for me having read his book and having Jesus Christ resurrected within me has fully satisfied me on Christ's second coming. Oh, and such a good point, Bill, because we do do think about um, the second coming of Christ uh, in terms of an incarnation of a person. And Paramahamsa Yogananda speaks about and teaches this, that the second coming of Christ is really the second coming of Christ within each and every one of us. It's an incarnating of the Christ Spirit, Christ Holy Spirit within us. And when we incarnate that within ourselves, um, that's the second coming. And uh, I would agree with you, Bill, that I think that that is the more important point, because a lot of times we do get caught up in these details about worldly, worldly events but the reality is, is that, you know, we're going to be here when we're here and we're going to not be here when we're no longer here. And what we have to do is affect the purification and transformation that we are able to in our own spirit while we are alive here, because that's why we incarnated. This is a place that souls come to to work out their karma, to uh to undergo purification and one of the fruits of that purification can be the transformation and the you know bringing in of that um second coming of the christ spirit so very good point thank you bill adriana says people think we are in the last days preceding the second coming of christ but even back then in the time of the apostles, for instance, Paul thought that was Christ was coming during his time. And here we are, uh, 2023 years later. Yeah, and that's kind of like my point that people have wondered about that question for that entire 2023 years. And what I've been shown all along is that it's, it's, we we place a lot of value in world events. And the reality is that, you know, the world continues on, we continue to have wars, we continue to have uh, conflicts and the same kind of stuff that happens in mortal realms. It's going to continue to be a mortal realm here, one way or another. And um, there is uh, there's no changing that because this realm serves its purpose to perfection. So the point for us is to focus on what we are able to accomplish in our own uh, spiritual transformations. Um, And if we happen to be alive, if and when there is a an actual second coming incarnation, great, then, you know, that's awesome. But if that second coming is something that needs to come within each and every one of us, let's not miss it, right? And so absolutely, you know, even St. Paul believed it was coming in his own time. And most of the, most of the people in this, in that time believed that as well. And then it's been going on ever since. Um, Max says, yes, lessons to be learned. Unconditional love is one biggie. Yeah, that is absolutely the case. Um, Learning how to actually embody the unconditional love that God has for us and bring it into this realm and exactly you know, exude it and emanate it out towards others. And, um, and then we're, we're always learning how that's actually done within the context of, of physical life and the boundaries that we face. And so that's what's, you know, kind of going on there. Uh, Max says, yes, within us, this is the light and love within. This is the creator. This is the Christ, why we must look within Raw Reverence says there is certainly something coming. I believe it's to some degree what of old was called Shakana glory. I seen a trumpeter announce across the great expanse, heralding the majesty. Well, you know, Raw Reverence, I've seen that too. And yes, yes, and yes, and there is something that's coming. And, you know, one of the things that I think happens as well is that when any individual soul is reaching that transformation point, we do see visions where we see that glory because that glory is going to be born within us. It's going to be born of this earth through our own soul. And that's a great majestic moment. And so anytime we're birthing something into this realm of heaven to earth, it's a grand thing. And yes, it can be relegated to some kind of earthly events too. And yeah, we have some strange times that are going on right now. So of course there can be stuff happening that's going to come, that's obviously possible. Um, But where should our focus be? probably more towards where we have the power to alter and change the realm for the better, which is the purification of the soul. And um, Adriana says, I understand Christ consciousness as the second coming of Christ as an awareness. But then we read verses in the Bible, like in acts one 11, stating that Christ will come in the same manner that, that he left. Adriana says, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Um, and Max says, we are given free will. That is why so much discord in the world. That is their choice, regretfully. Yes, very, very true, Max. And there is a lot of, um, you know, it's this is a mortal realm a world where uh, good and evil battle it out um, inside of us, outside of us. And there's a lot of that going on in our world right now. And so Adriana, when when it says he will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven, think on that for just a moment. What does that mean to you? I want you to think on that because I think you're thinking very literally, I want you to come in, because you can take it literally too, nothing wrong with that, but what manner did he go into heaven? He was lifted up. And so as he's lifted up in the spirit, again, he can come back to us in the spirit and he can do that whenever and to whomever he wants. You know, one of the things that I think is really fascinating is the stories, the hundreds and hundreds of stories that are on YouTube and online about Muslims um, in other countries who are having dreams about Jesus and going through these massive conversion experiences because they have these profound dreams of Jesus. And it takes me back, Adriana and everyone here, to the stories of the lost sheep and the good shepherd, because here we have, we have people who are seeking out the truth, obviously sincere seekers of truth in countries that are uh, of a particular faith. And apparently perhaps they're being called to see another faith or another uh, to see Christ, obviously. And they can't be reached where they are because of the rules, regulations, laws and things and the inaccessibility of that to them. And What happens? The good shepherd literally descends from heaven and is speaking to them in their dreams. So no one else can reach them physically, right? And the second coming of Christ is happening within them. And, you know, Adriana, you might want to check out a DVD called More Than Dreams. And that's about this phenomenon. Um, You can check that one out and you can also look it up on YouTube. uh, You know, look up these stories of Muslims who are having dreams of Jesus. It's um, really interesting. And for me, it was just so powerful to me because I was like, wow, that's the good shepherd in, in like, uh, a powerful, powerful way, reaching to people that no one else can get to or talk to you know, who need to know about him. And he's like, okay, well, I'll take care of this, (laughs) you know? And so that's what I want you to think about. He will come to you in the same way that he went back into heaven. He's coming back to those people in that same way. You know, for me, he came to me in that same way. He's coming to, um, Raw reverence here, and many of the people here I know have shared with me. Um, Bill on a yell, um, I can't remember. Everyone here, I know John is. It he, was here, and I know people here have had uh, Jesus reach to them, and that to me is an indication of that second coming reaching out to each and every one of us individually. And so uh, we don't want to get too caught up in trying to dogmatize or solidify something that has been spoken in mystical language. Because what can happen is when you do that, um, you can miss the intended meaning. And so that's why you want to, okay, well, so, okay, uh, the second coming of Christ, well, he can come as many times as he wants in however, whatever way he wants, right? Because he is Christ. So let's see. Aniel says, earlier you spoke about meditation and out-of-body travel being tools. If you don't meditate or have OBEs in your lifetime while you sleep, are you doing things to progress you spiritually well um, i well it depends on the person i you know on a yell i do know a little bit about you so i can say definitely you are <laughs> you know each one of us does things in our own individual way and i would say in your way you are doing things through study through study. And and so I would also say that your study is part of your meditation and study is a part of meditation. And so, and it's study can also be part of our prayer, you know, because in ironically that's, you know, the spiritual reading aspect of our practice is, you know, part of our prayer is bringing our thoughts and minds up to God. And so I know for, a fact that you are doing that. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who have their own unique ways. Oh my gosh, we have a super chat. Thank you so much, John. Uh, John says, thank you for all that you share with us. Thank you so much, John. I, I thank you for, for all that you share um, uh, with your presence all the time. And uh, it's very much appreciated for the super chats and We appreciate the super chats just like we appreciate all of our members here um, because our memberships do help us to keep our uh, resources free to everybody around the world. And that's our goal is to just keep everything free because we want to be able to reach, you know, like we're talking about Jesus reaching down into the lives of the people who are in these Muslim countries who would never have been able to hear about him but he went and talked to them himself. And by making things free, people can access it no matter where they are, no matter what the restrictions are in, in their particular country or land or what their financial restrictions are. And that's part of the importance of it, that we don't want there to be any barrier to people um, being able to seek the, seek the path, seek out God in whatever way they feel called to do. And so thank you so much, John, for that. And, um, so, you know, going back to what Aniel was asking, you know, everybody does have their own unique way of doing things. And so, uh, no, you don't have to, um, be, you know, having out of body experiences, to be uh, progressing in this life. Um, if you don't meditate, I know, I know some, you know, some of my spiritual counseling clients are just not very good at meditation. They don't feel, you know, they don't feel it, you know, and that's okay. We all have our thing. <coughs> Excuse me. And some of us, you know, some of them are more inclined to prayer. Some are more inclined, you know, on a yell to reading and study. And some people are more inclined, you know, also to charitable works, you know, so there are people who are just drawn, you know, and and a lot of times what we can find, and we'll also find that we're drawn to different things during different stages of our life. So, you know, you may be drawn to this at this time, and then in another part of your life, you may be drawn elsewhere. There was a period of my life for about seven years where I just you know, did a lot of charitable stuff and it was, you know, working with the church and I really enjoyed that and was very energized. And then it was like, oh no, you've got to be pulled back in because now you got to just, you know, sit in your hole and write lots of books, you know? So it just changes, you know? And then, you know, then it's, no, now it's the liturgy of the hours. You're going to pray that for three whole solid years, day in and day out, you know, it changes, you know? So don't be afraid of that either, because following that spirit within will will generally be a good thing for us, you know. Um, so that's important. Uh, don't Don't judge the fact that different people have different things that they do, and uh, you know, some people go to daily mass, and that's what they do, and that's good. Um, uh, some people do their own thing completely in their own home and they have their own you know, set of practices. Some people uh, have a very loose practice in their own home. And that's also just fine. You know, everybody figures out what works for their particular path. Um, Adriana says, thank you, Marilyn. You always jog my mind. Oh, I'm honored. Thank you, Adriana. <laughs> Rob Reverence said, "I also knew God was bringing the children home, families so important to the Lord." Oh, that sounds beautiful, Rob Reverence. That sounds very beautiful. Um, yeah. So you know that sounds really beautiful. Anna Yell says, "In your books, you would see people out of body going through things with you, but who were unconscious. Does that make sense?" <clears throat> Yes, yeah, so I would see people going through things with me, but they were unconscious in the experience. Um, yes, and what that meant meant was that they would not remember that experience. So, like we might have, I might have a very vivid out-of-body experience myself, and it might involve some people that I know, but I would be able to see by certain types of lights that you can see in there. Their spirit that are on or off, um, whether or not they were consciously aware of what we were experiencing together. And that would give me an indication of whether or not they were going to remember that we were even together that night. And so it's very common for a lot of people to be traveling subconsciously, which means they will not remember it. And then you might have this memory and all of this transformative stuff happening. They're not going to remember any of it. And so that's what that means is when they're traveling unconsciously. So they're out there and um, God is working on them, but on other levels of consciousness. And so Ana, you know, that's the one I just did. Annie says, thank you. And like our dry period on the books. Yes, like our dry period when we do go through periods too where we don't want to read a drop and that happens as well. <laughs> Happens to all of us, you know, St. Therese of Lisieux spoke a lot about the, uh, you know, the the dry periods in our spiritual lives. Um, and any else that's what I was referring to. OK, OK, that makes sense, too. OK, well, I guess we're getting getting kind of long here. Um, raw reverence, I just wanted to say um, in relation to that experience that you're talking about where you knew God was bringing the children home, the family the ones that were important to the Lord, that sounds like a really beautiful experience. I've had a lot of experiences like these, this too. And a lot of other people have shared things like this with me as well. And um, <clears throat> it sounds like you're going through some really holy experiences right now. And, um, and this is really exciting, And, you know, so feel free to email me and we can just yabber back and forth about what's happening since we probably can't hit on it as much as I'd like to about what's happening with you. But it sounds like you're having some really holy experiences. You're being taken into the holier uh, realms and you're being shown how important it is that um, uh, especially here, what you're talking about, too this is something that is part of the whole second coming of Christ, which is in my view, and of course, you know, in my view, and part of part of the difficulty with this part, uh, you know, this kind of question about the second coming is that, you know, we are trying to interpret something that people have had visions and mystical experiences about for 2,000 years. And even the greats like St. Paul and Others along the way have had an, a difficulty interpreting what these things mean. And I have a tendency to agree with Bill because I've read that same a couple of books. And ironically, um, Bill also turned me on to um, I read the, the second coming of Christ uh, at the recommendation of another friend. But Bill had um, sent me. Uh, Paramahamsa Yogananda's The Bhagavad Gita commentary in two volumes as well. And um, both of those sets are just really great. They're astonishing. So, uh, But I, of course, love Paramahamsa Yogananda and uh, uh, really resonate with his teachings and with his experiences and what he shares. But I would go back to that when we have these experiences this one with raw reverence coming back to sorry I got a little taken in aside there <coughs> god is always bringing the children home that are so important to the lord and you'll see that when you look through the mystical writings and the visions of the saints mystic sages prophets throughout history that this is a common theme in some of these holy holy visions where God is always seeking out those who belong to him to bring them home. So you're touching into this and it's really beautiful. And having these, you know, the trumpeting uh, and I've been there. I've seen that and um, something I'll never forget. I've seen it a few times. It's astonishing. I mean, there's very, very hard to put in words. I'm sure you relate. Um, And then, you know, others like these the galactic heavens, you're seeing the spinning galaxies, you're in a really cool place in your spiritual journey. One of the places where you're gonna have some really neat experiences, you're having them already and it's gonna probably continue for a bit. And uh, when it comes to this, just remember that throughout time, that what that means is God is all.